This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, you guys. Welcome to Steel Wars. I'm Comedian Steel Saunders, and I do love Star Wars. And each week, we find someone of interest to talk about it with. And this week, we have found three people of interest to discuss the latest episode of The Mandalorian, The Prisoner. And this is the Steel Wars Mandalorian Chit Chat, a podcast title that I really don't think gets enough credit for um, the sweet reference. But we will proceed to a very fun episode of The Mandalorian. Joining us to discuss said episode from Ohio, the king of all times, King Tom. How you doing, buddy? Doing all right, Steel. How about you? I'm. I feel weird. I'll, I'll talk about that in two seconds. But uh, also joining us, our sometimes friend in New York from the Canto Bite Dispatch. It's your friend and sometimes mine, Emily Lind. Hi, Steel. How you doing? I'm good. I think we didn't say anything bad about you last time. Mm, okay, well, I'm getting. I've been getting besmirched on the uh, Canto Bite bis- Dispatch. Oh, I can't miss. Oh, how heaven forfend <laughs> that I slightly <laughs> mess up saying this. The the, the cherished podcast. Um, yeah, still Demption on the last episode. I thought, but uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, for now. Always for now. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it, it's what I hope does not happen at the end of episode nine where it's all solved. And then there's this for now thing, but uh, we'll do that in podcast land. Also joining us the, uh, the blue naked skeletal lying on a, uh, on a battle cat from New Jersey. It's Robbo. How you doing, buddy? I'm good. Steel. Glad to be back. Oh, that sounds Gloriously uh, sincere. Now, for those just listening on the podcast, Robbo, because he's um, a man of mystery, instead of having video up on YouTube, he's just got Skeletor um, very um, clear glass. Jack Thompson had a very similar naked pose in um, a 1970s magazine. Anyway. We are talking about the uh, the prisoner, um, and for me, the episode. This episode is just talking about Bill Burr in Star Wars and how rad that is. Can it be about something else for the rest of us? <laughs> I'm I'm happy to t- also talk about Clancy Brown and Mark Boone Jr. in Star Wars. Okay. Am, am I uh, is my Bill Burr hype way? Or, I, I just thought everyone would have had to have loved that. Robbo, you seem unsurprisingly to be the uh, contrarian of this situation. I just didn't think it was worth devoting the entire episode to. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's great, but I guess I don't really know who this guy is. Like, I feel like I've seen him before, 
But like, if you told me it was because like, oh, I sat next to him on a bus a couple years ago, I'd be like, oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, I wouldn't know any better. I always love it when people are angry that someone isn't famous enough for them to know him. Like they resent. It. I don't even know. Don't even know. Never heard of him. But um, wh- where do you stand, Tom? I'm. I know I'm familiar with him. Maybe a little bit more than Robo. Uh, his presence didn't do much for me but his performance i liked i did have a question about him uh what did you think of the little gimmick over the shoulder extra blaster he had and i'm asking this for a reason but i want to know after you saw it in action what you thought of it king tom getting straight to the issues it's stupid and i love it but i i, I appreciate that and, and i'm glad i know but i'm asking steel specifically <laughs> for a reason i have a reason for this I know I've I've just worked out the reason. Okay. And uh, I'll save that. But I don't know. It doesn't seem reasonable because it seemed like it was a practical weapon up there. Mm-hmm. But it felt like it was different from like the shot they showed of him at celebration. The gun seemed in my memory far thinner. Yeah, the gum seemed like it was part of the arm, not that the arm was holding a gun. Yes. Yes. Do, and do you think it's a different gun? I thought it was something he switched. It was like a pistol he switched out. And I didn't mind it because it wasn't like a perfect shot. It was just something that added an extra shot that may or may not hit something. But you do, you have figured out why I asked this question, right? I think so. But before that... Okay. At celebration, I thought it was like super, like fan film ish. Mm-hmm. Like I don't yeah. know, it was just that shot, but it didn't. It, it okay. It made me less excited for the show. That just that shot. I, it was just sort of like, oh, and I think because it was Bill Burr as well. It was just like, why has Bill Burr got this weird stick on his shoulder? But in the actual episode, I actually really liked it, and I thought it was just a cool little sort of silly superhero edition and I'm not sure if this is where you're going an ode to the, to the great man of the EU which one there are so many great men of the EU Dashuan R. Render the shoulder pads weren't big enough <laughs> but no the reason i am asking is because one of the very last things i did before leaving celebration was do a mini pod with you and we talked about the mandalorian and you thought that looked too fan servicey and could not believe that it was going to be in star wars so i i'm very happy that your opinion of it has changed or that it was it? different did he actually show. say fan servicey? Because how is it fan servicey? It's like I don't think we've ever seen that before. Maybe no, maybe fan filmy. I have. Uh, I, yeah, I no, it, it definitely would have been. And Robbo is a man that seems to. Robbo just thinks I've I've got I just say six things in different <laughs> variations on these podcasts. Oh, they're not variations. I would just say it's more like the order in which you say the six things. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you change it. Anyway, um, but yes, I definitely, th- I definitely would have been fan filmy. Um, but so Emily, you haven't really followed Bill Burr's comedy. Oh no, I know Bill Burr. I love him. Okay, and he's awesome in Breaking Bad. It's just like I 
such a character actor fan, and this episode happened to have two of my favorite character actors in it, along with Bill Burr. Ah, because it's it. He just. I'm not sure if this character. What's his name? Um, Mayfeld. Mayfeld. That's it. Like, I'm not sure if I think Mayfield is like the best Star Wars character of the year, or I just love Bill Burr and he's in <laughs> Star Wars. I, I will say it's not a very Star Warsy name. No, it's not. Well, it is in the sense that, like, one, I'd say, like, I'd say one out of every ten Star Wars names these days is just like a regular kind of old timey last name. So it's like you've got your uh, you've got your Han Solos, you got your Dash Rendars, and you got your Becketts. Oh, that's right? true. You've got your you know like Luke is a real name, and Owen is a real name, and Lars is a real name, and stuff like that. So you know, like it's always kind of been like that. It's just that recently, like in the, I'd say like in the prequel era, they kind of abandoned that and they just went with whatever was left on Uncle George's big notebook of names that he wrote in like 1974. <laughs> it's like, you know, so, but now they're kind of getting back to like, yeah, every once in a while a name's got to be like a regular name just because why not? So I don't know. I mean, it, 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 I can see why it would bug people. To me, I, I kind of like every couple of names i'd like to hear like a real-ish sounding name i also like that he the out of universe that bill burr doesn't have a super wacky name i I feel like that helps his character because one thing i because i would love to know if he rewrote those lines or sort of collaborated on them because they are just like all his um ball busting was just him um, it just sounded like things he would say to someone else, like at like the comedian's table at the comedy cellar or whatever. But um, I, I, I just, just adored him in in the universe. And Jackie was um, over the moon. She was very delighted. But uh, Emily, who are the the character actors that you uh, are fanning out on? Okay, so Mark Boone Jr. is the one who plays Ran, and like it's so like I had no idea he was going to be in this. And when I see him, like that biker beard that he has in there, he looks exactly like he did on Sons of Anarchy, which I think is hilarious. But he was also in um, he was Gordon's dirty cop partner in Batman Begins. Um, oh. The guy who looks like fat Tom Waits. <laughs> yeah. And, and he's yeah. got the Duck Dynasty thing going on. Yeah, he's the, got the big yeah, okay. beard. That guy. Like, the guy. He's always delightful in everything. And then Clancy Brown as the the devil guy who is, I mean, Shawshank Redemption most famously. He's the horrible guard in that. But he was on the past season or two of billions and he's done tons of of voiceover work a lot of cartoons including Krabs from spongebob right yeah 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 and including some voices in clone wars and maybe rebels both yeah and he was on lost that's right who was he on lost he was uh kelvin inman who trained saeed in torture in iraq and then later showed up in the hatch before desmond at the end of season two 
Ooh. How do you get in the hatch? We don't know. He was a member of the Dharma Initiative, I guess. What a kick-ass show that was. <laughs> and he's been over for like 15 I, years. How'd he get inside? I don't know. Nobody knows. <laughs> Nobody knows. I didn't he's, even recognize yeah. it was him. Phil, yeah, Phil, Phil, fills you I with confidence for this week. He's also the evil stepdad in Pet Cemetery 2 and was one of the leads on Earth 2, a sci-fi show in the mid-90s that I might be the only person on Earth who remembers. Earth 2? Um, so the guy ran, well, did you say he was on Sons of Anarchy? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I never watched that, but both Jackie and I were like, who is that? Like he was seemed just, I don't know. He's, he just suggested that we had to know him. So anyway, the Mandalorian, uh, rocks up at Rand's space station and he meets all the, uh, the crew. I, uh, there was this weird Pulp Fiction reference, I think, when, um, Rand is talking to the Mandalorian and says, I think about how the only reason he sort of took him in was because he had the ship and then he gave him the look which was uh, an awesome little uh, sh- like sort of bit of tension. And then Rand says, is that gratitude? I- is that what um, Ving Rhames tells Bruce Willis in Pulp Fiction? Uh, that's pride. Effing with pride, you. pride, pride. Okay. Damn it. Damn it. But um, I haven't really been on social media much to uh, suss it out because I'm scared of The Last Jedi. I mean, The Rise of Skywalker. Spoilers. I know what happens at the end of The Last Jedi. Um, but what did you guys think? Um, how did you say her name? Exine? Zine? I'm just Jean. Jean. I believe it's pr- I believe it's pronounced the same way that the, like, the, the, the syllable she is pronounced in Romanized Chinese. So... X-I in Romanized Chinese means like she or Z, and that's how they oh. pronounce in this one. Um, I should have used my EU experience. Shizor. Yeah, Shizor, like that, yeah. Wow, wow. Um, I found her a bit Harley quinn and I'm not that big a fan of Harley Quinn. Mm. I found her a bit Harley quinn but I am a big fan of Harley Quinn. So I was totally okay with it. Like what Harley Quinn are we talking about? Are we talking about like animated series? Cause I don't, I didn't see that at all. Or are we talking like the, you know, hot topic version from the movie that I didn't see? Oh, I'm only aware of the hot topic version of the movie. You did not see. Okay. So, mm. oh, Hey, I've just got to go check on my little boy. He's crying. So you guys continue talking about the Mandalorian. Wait there. We're totally talking about you, dude. Um. <laughs> I'll just set you all up on the view. Okay, go for it. I got nothing. I don't know. It's like, I don't know. Without steel heard. here, I just it doesn't feel right. I, I did, I did, I did like her, and I like just the immediate. Oh, the Mandalorian actually knows other people. Yeah. Beyond just the Mandalorians and, and knows them and like obviously spent time with these people. 
I think I, I, I see things more from your perspective, Emily. Like I liked her portrayal. I could see why someone would say she's the Harley Quinn from the suicide movie that like Robbo, I, I never saw. And that's a different type of character for Star Wars, but it's not unbelievable in this element here. I think the point of this episode is just to show you that like, oh, the Mandalorians, he's not like a bad guy, bad guy. There's like right. real bad guys out there. There's there's like I think that there was the whole that was what made the episode interesting to me is because it was constantly playing with like, oh, he might actually be in real danger here. Like he might, you know, there was like a menace. There was like a potential for violence to just break out at any moment that you don't you very rarely get in Star Wars because usually they don't stick around on things that long. They don't dwell on scenes of just people being threatening and, and nasty. And you kind of got like exactly like what what was dangerous about each one of them. You kind of figured it out right in that first scene where they're all together in the, the hold of the ship. And there were times I didn't know where the story was going to go. When he w- when he woke up in the jail cell, I thought he was going to be there for the rest of the episode, if not going into the ne- next week's episode. Yeah, I can see that. I, I did have that brief moment of, oh, is this where it's going to end and then we're going to pick up mm-hmm. with him? Like, maybe they are actually going to get away with baby Yoda and he's going to have to get his ship back. Right. Actual menace towards baby Yoda, which was probably the scariest thing I've seen in a Star Wars product or anywhere else. Yeah, this is the first time, I think, since... Well, I mean, it's it's hard to say because there's there there were always like things in Star Wars that were like too much for my son. Mm-hmm. Like he did not like seeing Luke get his hand cut off at all, mm-hmm. and because uh, probably because he was like four and I shouldn't have showed it to him. <laughs> <laughs> and and things like like he when he saw the Force Awakens, he was you know one year older, and um, he didn't he kind of got freaked out sometimes by the giant hologram Snoke. But this was the only time where like he's you know he's he's older now he's nine. And so he's he's watched plenty of things that are a little bit on the scary side. And this is like the first time I've seen him with Star Wars be like, ah, like I could tell that he was kind of it was getting to him a little bit like he did not trust these characters and did not feel confident that he knew what was going to happen next in the way that kids like to feel confident. So the way that makes them comfortable with shows like Star Wars and stuff, like I had to like be like, you know, like the Mando is not going to lose. OK, <laughs> I'm just letting you know, like I've I've seen it. He doesn't lose. Right. But, th- you know, yeah, I think for us, we've seen other serialized TV shows and we expect certain things to carry over from episode to episode. So it's very likely that baby Yoda would still be in danger in the next episode or that the Mandalorian would still be in trouble because of something that happened in this episode carrying over to next week. But it doesn't seem like the Mandalorian is setting up for that one. I mean, once I, I was kind of surprised by that until I saw that at the end, it, at the, end the writing credit that it was written by different people. It was written by the mm-hmm. director and in a co-writer, which is, you know, different from all the other episodes except episode five, which was written by Filoni. So it's like those are the two outliers, I think, in the writing credits. And not that they are any more self-contained than the other episodes, but man, you couldn't pick two more different episodes for me. Like, I, I just I don't. It seems they're almost like from different shows. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it's it's because this one is like this is such a tropey episode. It just happens to be tropes that I really really like. Like I love the the prisoner breakout story, mm-hmm. and I like the sort of I, I guess you know the the modern reference for it would be the Suicide Squad. Like you're getting a bunch of not good people together, and yeah, like, we're like, that's who you're following. Yeah, or like any other like get get the get the gang together and pull yeah. one more job type thing, which is a big Western thing. There's always like you you aren't a hero in a Western unless there's like some kind of life that you're trying to put behind you, but you got one more thing you got to do before you leave. That's like everybody. <laughs> so you know, this is like it's like the equivalent of like a train robbery, right? Like it's a uh, or like you know instead of stealing like gold bullion or something, you're 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 springing a prisoner, but it's not all that different. And if you if you made it into like a a like there's a prisoner transport on this train and we got to get him off, it would be very similar. Uh, so one, I, I yeah. One thing I was wondering is what went into his decision to not do jobs for these guys anymore. Yeah, it's not really clear why he came back either. So I would. I was thinking he went there because he couldn't get anything with the guild. And maybe that's also why he's not working with this particular gang is because he can't go back to the guild right now. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of it's one of the things the show has not bothered to explain is now that he's not like he's been kicked out of the guild. uh, It's like, what is his goal? Like he's he tried to he tried to find a place to hide um, Yoju. To see if Steele's back yet. I'm Sounds the, like he's not. I, I'm, oh. I'm very impressed. I'm very oh, impressed. He was waiting. <laughs> and uh, but then he kind of doesn't seem to be thinking about that anymore because he's not going to places after this that he could hide the kid. So it, it's like, what is he trying to do? Like, I'm surprised the show hasn't stated like a new goal for him. Like, oh, I need to get to here or here and do this, but I don't have enough money, so I'm going to do this next. Yeah, that's why when people – like, it, it's sort of an ironic thing, but when people say, oh, I wish I'd get on with the story, and it's like, what's the st- what is the story? Yeah. There's no – it's just – yeah, he hasn't really stated what he's doing, like, at all in, in the I'm- whole deal. But I wonder if – his turning point from being um, the sort of ruthless killer was Yoju or it like, is it something that happened way before that? I, I think it's, I think it's before that because the hints are already there that he's not that bad of a guy like that he, or that he's trying to like be fair with people. For example, when Ugnolty like, you know, refuses payment, he's like, no, I really, I need to pay you. Like I would not Mm. survive you deserve half of whatever I get from this and it's going to be a lot. Oh, I, maybe it was the purge is what changed him that he had to look after his, like he had to come back and look after his um, people that had taken him in. Yeah. It's not maybe. clear whether he's actually doing that though. Cause he kind of just left him to die. He's like, they've got jetpacks and I don't, they should be fine. Well, they're also there. I mean, they're Mandalorians. Fighting yeah. is like, especially that group of Mandalorians seem to right. be able to to handle themselves. Now, the, granted, yeah, yeah. In the very first episode, he's also talking like I was a foundling. He's like, I know, 
Like you, you don't <laughs> stop talking about it. So yes, I know. I've never seen your face, but I know you were a foundling. But wow. I wanted, I want your guys's opinion on a line and whether it, it, it's too on the nose or not. I loved it, but when they introduce Bill Burr. And they have the line about, oh, he was an imperial sharpshooter. And Amanda goes, like, that's not saying much. And Bilber's, like, furious. I wasn't a stormtrooper. Why is that? I loved it. Yeah, I loved it, too. Is the wise ass acceptable? From Bill Burr, yes. From anyone else in Star Wars, no. So Poe Dameron saying, like, big ass door. Not okay. acceptable? I think that's different than wise ass. So if you said wise ass door. (laughs) I don't even know where. When does he say big ass door? Everybody get behind that big ass door on crate. Ah. So yeah. Like a sore thumb to me. I don't know why. Yeah. No, that's sort of like real world language coming into it. It never like really glares out to me. I, I, I know it does to you, Robbo. Yeah, I mean, I recognize that inevitably because the people who write it are a different from a different era. Like, they're, the language of the characters is going to change no matter what. You can't avoid it. And you could deconstruct any episode of the, of, of the saga or any, any movie and, and see exactly kind of what kinds of, you know, even going down to like maybe phrases that were popular at the time. And, and find them in there if you're really looking for it. I'm sure you could. But it's certain things like it's just like not going out of your way to say something that is like that's exactly what you would say right now in 2019. Okay. That's kind of what gets to me. Is The late is 90s like were that. known for their ass. Yeah, it's just it's like because you don't. Anyway, but I, I understand <laughs> that a lot of people don't care. But I have a feeling that like me, there is a line that could be crossed for them. And, uh, you know, just have look upon me with pity because I was once like you. (laughs) I I would debate that. But anyway, I think for me, it sort of depends who's saying it. Like when I'm watching this for for me, because I'm so familiar with Bill Burr, I'm already just watching Bill Burr be in Star Wars. And I think that amuses me and it's already to eat. Frank takes me out of it a little bit. So I'm fine with him. Just being Bill Burr. If you give that line to another actor, like an actor I don't know and don't have any affection for, it might not work for me. What if it was like Krennic saying to Tarkin, get off my ass? <laughs> well, I mean. And Tarkin's like, he shouldn't have invited me in. Matters, <laughs> Krennic wouldn't say that. Yeah, so. <sighs> But the but the, the actually what what uh, I kind of dislike on like a nerd level dislike more than that is just the idea that stormtroopers can't shoot. That's like a meta thing. That's not a real like if stormtroopers can't shoot, then don't use them as your bad guys anymore because they're not threatening. Like you you have to at least pretend like in this galaxy, if you're here, you're scared of stormtroopers. They can kill you. Yeah, I I think it's like a catch 22 of if there wasn't that whole meta fan thing about it, it could just be a diss on the grunt military of the empire, but that sort of, 
it's kind of your real world knowledge of people joking about stormtrooper that it's, it's it's clouding the line for you you're making it meta robber it's your fault well if you listen to this week's blue harvest I, oh. that's exactly what i said is that uh i kind of interpret it i choose to interpret it as he's saying like well it's, it's like saying like oh i was in the national guard it's like okay like a lot of people are in the national guard like that doesn't mean you're like a badass I'm not dissing there's our, that, our uh, there's that word again. Uh, Stop using it, Robert. The National Guard. They're all they're all great, and we owe them so much, and et cetera. But the, the I mean, I just made that sound even more dismissive. Um, I'm going to stop now. Can you stop using the word "ass"? You're dating the podcast, Robo. I'm trying to make this timeless. Robo. Robo. Oh, Skeletor zooming in. That's oh my god. That is. Frightening, pixelated. It's a look of disapproval, steel. <laughs> <laughs> Shaking his head. <laughs> this, this is great for everybody listening to the audio version. Yeah, we'll get we'll get some views. That's that's some top sizzle. I did like how how um, the Mandalorian said to Ran, uh, "How can you trust it about the Droid Zero?" And he's like, oh, you can't trust anyone or whatever the line was. But I, I, I sort of like those sort of things that sets up the the dog-eat-dog world of the underworld. I, um, I think that's really cool. What did you guys think of the uh, New Republic prison ship? Just the, the set and how they uh, pretty convincingly used the same hall 63 times. Yep. In, in grand Star Wars tradition, you've got one, like two intersecting hallways and you shoot it from 12 different angles. They're really wide hallways. It seems an inefficient use of your space. I kind of like the subtle callbacks to the, uh, the, the Corvette, the blockade runner design, where it's got this like matte black floor that gets dirty very easily kind of laid out in slabs because that's just what they had. And, uh, but it's a little bit updated because the Corvettes are probably like, is like the design seems to be older than the empire itself. So if you were going to make a new one, a prison ship, then it would look slightly newer. And, and it does. I thought that was a, a nice touch. Yeah. I, I, I thought the ship was like sort of star Warsy, but a, a little bit fresh. Um, I the scene with the Mandalorian and the droids, how he goes around the like he think they all think they've bailed on him, or he's bailed on them, and then he comes around the back and um, they sort of hold off helping and just watch him dismantle all the droids. That was um, I'm a fan. I'm a fan of a rope around a droid's head to uh, decapitate it. It's it's good times. Yeah, I feel like there's like a in terms of like the efficacy of droids in combat in Star Wars, there's like a conservation of like killing ability where the more droids are on the screen at one time is inversely proportional to the usefulness of those droids. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like if you got if you got one droid out there and you just he's just on a hunt, like watch out because he'll kill everybody, right? But if you've got six droids on the screen, they can't hit a damn thing. And if you've got an entire army of droids, you might as well just like set up a beach chair and, and uh, 
watch because they're not going to hurt you. Hmm. Who, who's the single really dangerous droid that you refer to? IG-11. He kills like 40 people. <laughs> Good point. But he, is he sort of like an illegal droid? Is he street legal? It's not entirely clear whether either of the two uh, death droids we've met are legal. It seems like they aren't. In the to EU, me. I think they were not. Hmm. I mean, the, go ahead, Emily. Well, I mean, Star Wars is never entirely sure how droids work. No. Because, I mean, <laughs> there's a, there, here you have this criminal droid that Richard Iwadi is voicing. And, I mean, that seems weird. Well, I mean, it's kind of like, look, the going back to Star Wars, the motion picture, right? Like, there's a suggestion that there's something wrong with there's something Star Wars, about, the motion picture. I didn't invent that, man. You got to Pete the retailer to thank for that. Okay. Tell him next time you see him, if it hasn't already happened. Uh, I... I think that uh, the the that movie suggested already with like, you know, we don't serve their kind here. Like there's some prejudice against droids suggests that like something bad happened involving droids at some point because you don't you know, you don't see him in combat roles in those movies, really, with I guess the exception perhaps of the probe droid. But really all it was doing was defending itself. So <laughs> two sides, there's two sides to every uh Every battle. It was just defending itself. It shouldn't have been probing. That's It should have learned that lesson. It was doing about. what it was told to do. I mean, it's it's more like, you know, droids are shown to be capable of defending themselves in some small way, but you don't see in the original trilogy droids doing anything lethal, I don't think. Um, so anyway, but like the point is like there were suggestions that that's like possibly why people had a prejudice against them is because at some point droids were like tearing stuff up. And then in the prequels, that was kind of established. And in this show, it's definitely established because they show battle droids actually hurting people. So it's like it makes sense that, you know, that kind of thing. So I, I would guess that it is highly illegal. And even uh, Duck Dynasty says the same thing. Like, oh, he's, you know, you got to forgive him. He's a little, you know, we reprogrammed him. He's a little bit off, but he gets the job done or whatever. Hmm. Tom, what what do you remember from this? Like, am I getting this all backwards or? I, I think you're on to something. It felt like the, was it Zero? Yes. Was that the name? It felt like he was 90% of the time more competent than everyone else, especially when piloting the ship because he handled it in a way that no one ever could. You know, not a combination of Han, Poe, and Ray and Anakin could handle a ship the way he did. But then at the same time, at the end of the episode, he lost Baby Yoda and let the Mando get a drop on him. Yeah, it's like, I think at the end of the day in these, in Star Wars, like droids are basically humans. Mm -hmm. Like you can do, you could sneak up on a droid the same way you sneak up on a human because the, the average like person in the audience, Joe bag of donuts or whatever is, doesn't think about that. It's like, well, if he's a droid, like how come he can't like sense like the change in like temperature, the slight variations when somebody is closer to him, that doesn't work that way. Just like, why can't the speeder bike troops like radio back to their base for help? Why do they like 
we've seen people. Let's go race back to the base and tell them in person. Does, don't they like, jam their comms? They, they would say that. Yeah, jam their comm like center switch. With ah. what? When Luke and Leia were on the speeder bikes. Oh, they jammed him with, but that was after they got on the bikes. Well, they had to get on the bikes to get away from them. But they were already trying to get, they were already like chasing them rather than immediately going, we spotted some rebels. Maybe they were out of range. I don't believe it for a second. You could try, no, you, you, can, chase you them. can send people messages in you'd deep ch- space. You'd chase them straight away. You wouldn't call first. You'd chase. Yes, you right. call. No, because you'd lose them. At the end of the call, they'd be like, Roo. Then one of you chases them and the other one oh, calls. Oh, you can't or split up. you multitask and call while you're chasing them. And then you crash into a tree and die. They did that anyway. They shouldn't have been in. <laughs> they shouldn't have Good had point. those things in the forest anyway. That was a stupid idea. Oh, That's- how I... Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. It's the single worst environment to have mounted scout patrols on super fast hover bikes. Yeah, it's but you know. the worst place. They, you, they have zero peripheral vision. They have no idea what's you know happening. Why, you know why it's not the worst place? Because it looks freaking awesome. Because mm. it's mm-hmm. the best place. Right. That's the point. Like, you're not supposed to, like, it. The, there's, you're there's, not supposed to be bravo about it. No, you're not. Like <laughs> my point is, like if you think about it, it doesn't make any sense. Like if you think about how can you sneak up on a droid, like how could they not notice this? It doesn't make any sense. But, but you don't know what, what the, sensors, like what like little things they have, little antennas. You can't speak for them. Like, do you think a droid sees in, like, regular vision or sees in, like, heat vision? And why wouldn't you have eyes in the back of the droid's head? Yeah, but they I don't. I don't think all the droids see in the same way. There's very many different kinds of droids. They have different abilities because like, they were made to do different things. If I were going to build a droid who could shoot and kill people, and that was what I wanted the droid to do, I would make sure that droid knew when someone was behind the droid. Was and he you- built for that purpose? He had a gun. I wouldn't give a droid a gun unless you expected him to do stuff like that. Well, no, but I mean, but, but was that was that what he was built for? So I don't maybe think he wasn't for any of that. I think he was a protocol droid that's been like mangled and tangled up. And yeah, so why does a protocol droid need to know if somebody's sneaking up on him? Who's sneaking up on a protocol droid? Ah, so maybe that's they that. gave him the gun, that's but that. didn't put the eyes in the back of his head. Are they ah. working on a budget here? There's only yeah. so okay. many different programs you can give the droid. Well, I didn't need a logical explanation, but you gave one to me. Thank you. Kudos. You get a Robo Gold Star. God, Robo oh just, boy. Robo just got droid splinded. Hey, how many how many dorks do you know on the internet who are like me and will be like, hey, you made a good point. Accepted. Yeah, zero. Except for me. I think Robo is giving himself a, a gold star. Yes. Oh, it's tattooed on my forehead. You can't oh. get it off. There's no off position on the Robo switch. Oof. <laughs> Where were we in this episode? I don't know. <laughs> so they, en- they end up getting to the control room. 
and uh, Matt Lanter's in there in a, with a toilet seat on his head. Um, Didn't they call him Egghead or something? I don't know, but I don't know if they called him Egghead, but Bill Burr... Space Bill Burr did, yes. Amazingly yeah. said, nice shoes. So good. They match his you, belt. I guarantee you that was an ad lib, and they're like, oh, no, we're going to shoot that again. And then uh, Rick... Uh, I'm going to mess this up. Fumiua? Rick McCollum? No. <laughs> Dude. The good Rick. Oh, oh. He's directed my two favorite episodes of the show so far, so he's definitely earned the good Rick. <laughs> it's a uh, disturbing nickname when you think about it. I don't. So, yeah, you know, you like he was he told the cameraman like, oh, wait, no, he's going to say nice shoes. I want you to pan down to his shoes, then pan back up to his terrified face. And that's, ex- you know, it, it looks so good. <laughs> like It's so funny because you would never write that line in the script unless you knew exactly what the costume was like. Right. This seems unlikely. Like, nice shoes matches your belt. That's a, that's a, that's a that's an ad lib for sure. Right. You could write in a line. Note to wardrobe: Give the characters nice shoes and a belt that matches. You could. I just don't think that's likely. I, it seems like to me like that's something that was ad libbed on the set because I, I okay. On the one hand, I can totally see that being a Bilber ad lib or a line. On the other hand, this was written by the guy who wrote Thor Ragnarok. I oh, believe the co-writer and, was. Yeah, Chris. Yost, that's what I think. Okay. And he, that movie has lots of jokes in it. So it it's also like, has lots of ad libs, but yeah, you're right. Like it would be right perfectly in place, right? Yeah. In um, Thor, none of Bill Burr's lines were scripted. Oh, yeah. Mm. He did a really good job mm. with all that ad libbing he did. I didn't say ad libbed any lines either. Not in it. Um, he just showed up, and for some reason, the cameras are rolling, and they kept the takes. <laughs> but uh, the background eating a Twinkie. <laughs> I love the I love that control room scene with uh, Clone Wars, Anakin Skywalker. Um, the just the, the the like the the standoff, and then um, Harley Quinn uh, just solving it. I kind of like the brutalness of the Mandalorian world where he doesn't want to kill anyone, but then once someone's dead, he's like, well, what am I going to do? do? Like Mm. it's, it's over. Like you're complaining about, it's not going to bring that dude back. It's not going to pull the knife out of his carotid artery. It's there for good. And then they, uh, in the control room, they find out where the, uh, their prisoner is, and they open it up, and it's a um, one of the most impressive foreheads in all of Star Wars of uh, Quinn, who's Harley Quinn's, funnily enough, brother. Is that is that a coincidence? Am I? Yes. I, I hope so. Okay. All right. Um, then they push him into the uh, the prison thing cell and uh they race off and then the, 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 I, I don't oh, sorry think they i don't think they raced 
it didn't feel like they raced because the the if they raced the Mandalorian got out of that cell in record time. <laughs> How do you mean? It, it just felt like, it, you know, if they were at the cell trying to get back to the ship, they were sure taking their sweet time doing it because you know the Mandalorian had to wait for a droid to walk by, had to take the arm off, had to mm, attack okay. the droid, take the arm off the droid gimmick the the lock to open up and then i think he went and closed the doors on them so either they took their time or time moved slower in whatever gravitational well the hallways they were walking down yeah well that actually something that i i should have mentioned they had they matt lanter had the little tracking device that yes. the whole thing was over and um the premise of that is once it's pressed, the New Republic comes to uh, save the day. And much like The Last Jedi, Robbo, as I say, one of my uh, catchphrase critiques. Uh, can, I, the, can I do it this time? The bringing up can, of time. I just did okay, it. Go. I can do it pretty good. All right. Okay, so much like The Last Jedi, they introduce a ticking clock. And then they don't actually. They seems like they get do accomplish way too much within that time period. And it would have been better if they had not actually said how much time it will take. Well, right. I'm actually is that not exactly what you were going to say? I'm going to defend Steel on this one, and here's why: which is when they give the time left, it is almost exactly how much time left is left in the episode. And I thought oh, we're just going to go to real time the rest of this episode, and that's awesome. Jack Bauer style. <laughs> and, I think they did, though. Eh, I feel like it doesn't really work out. Like, it felt it felt like longer than uh, the, the 21 minutes that they had or something like that. The, the suspense made it feel longer. No, it's like, the question is, like, did the, did the X-Wing trio, like, did they show up first at the prison ship and then follow the beacon to the space station, which I think is must have been I, what they did. I don't. I, I had a theory about that, but I'll, I could save it for when we get to that part of the episode. I mean, they're also like in hyperspace for all, like all of three minutes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like it seems like it, or or less. So it's it, just you, you can't, don't say the time. Yeah, it's just like it's they're coming, they're coming. Great, and you don't know. Like then. You don't know whether if they're lollygagging, gallivanting around the hallways is fine because it's like three days until they come or it's 10 minutes, just not bringing it up. No, because if, if you don't know whether it's three days or 10 minutes, then you don't know how worried you should be that they're going to get caught. You're worried. Like the whole point. No, you won't. The whole point of this is is you set up a ticking clock and you're like, oh, they've got to move fast. That means like whatever he does to escape and like get his revenge like he turns the tables on his oppressors right it's my favorite thing you can ever do in genre fiction is like like you turn the tables like now you you've pissed off the wrong person like they're gonna get you now like you're in their world now it's like first blood style i love it how um my thing i want is the the run-in and you want the table turn yes the table turn is my favorite thing Ticking clock or no ticking clock, I I mean I've liked all this episode. The last the last half of this episode is so great when he's just hunting them down and picking them mm-hmm. off. Mm-hmm. 
Yes. Mm. They, they do a real good job as well of sort of, like for Bill Burr's character, they hadn't really shown like what sort of fighter he is. So before he comes into contact with the Mandalorian, he has to take down a few droids and it sort of shows his prowess. The same with the, um, is it the Devorian? Is that what species mm-hmm. he is? Clancy yeah. Brown. Yeah. Body slamming those, yes. uh, those two droids. Oh. That was so great. And, and that, and that bring sh- those droids back. No, but how good yeah. was it? The, the shot of him with his like, sort of just ro- like just standing in front of the blast. That was, ah. Oh. That was some oh, great the, the, 80s the fire action. In his, in his yes, face. yes. No, 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 no. Not not when the Mandalorian flame f- flew him. He he like body slams. He like press slams a droid into another droid, and it all explodes. And then he turns around, and there's a shot of him sort of claiming victory, and there's just all explosions behind him. Very good. I also would be remiss if we didn't mention that. Um, that shot that when the Mandalorian shot that prison droid in the head and then you had the camera angle through the head. Yep. Yeah. Hey, professional directors, they get the job done. <laughs> well, we'll talk directors at the end of the episode. Um, but the picking off, even how cliche the... Um, the sort of flashing light and then someone coming closer with each flash, how cliche that is. I'm almost sure it's been done in The Simpsons 27 times. I, they I, made I, the Mandalorian Jason Voorhees. That's awesome. And and but a Jason that you're like fully rooting for. Because I, 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 I've never rooted for Jason. I'm, oh, I'm always I'm, rooting for Jason. I know, I'm terrified. What? Dude, that's everybody... the whole point of those movies. That's Nobody goes to seem like, I hope that... I hope that uh, yeah. Like Dirk Walder or whatever that kid's name is, is going to be the one who who like kills Jason halfway through the movie. That's why no. all the characters in slashers are made to be obnoxious so that you're happy when they get killed horribly. Nah, no bias. That's but that's what? why. No, but that's why I don't watch them because okay. I'm 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 so okay. upset for the like I'm like oh that sucks that they all got killed, like especially when it always bummed me out when I was little when they just hooked up. And then they get killed. It's like you've put in all that groundwork. You, you get to hook up, and then the that's the, that's the whole point. Yeah, well, that's like, why I can't watch it because it's so upsetting. You get like you know, like a little bit of uh, nudity and and uh, titillation and all that, and then they die, and you've got like all your bases covered. Hmm. Like these are the very cynical movies. These slasher films. Hmm. Um. So he ends up sort of picking everyone off seemingly. Now, I have to say, that, that Devorian... The, <laughs> How did he live through that? I, I, yeah, I, I, I know he was sort of holding his face at the end when he was in the cell, but I... His horns were broken. Did you notice that? Yeah. Oh, I did not. Okay, uh, that's great. Okay, I, that makes it better. Yeah. So yeah. it's like he was pulling his head out of the way as the blast doors were shutting... And so they just it just it just pulverized his horns. But, yeah, I mean, it, it when you when you watch it and if you watch it in slow-mo, I guarantee you, you see those blast doors close on him. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't make, you know, because they didn't animate him getting squished, of course, but they animated the doors closing right where he was. So yeah. I was I kind of wish they would have just let him die because like why, you know. Like, yeah. you got to have, like, you can't do that and just like, oh, he just so happened to live and stay unconscious long enough for the, the bando to, like, drag this hulking dude into a cell. 
Mm. So, you know, like I, I feel like he he probably could have died because I don't really care if he comes back. He was great, Mr. Krabs, awesome, but uh, yeah, what's he going to do when he comes back? The same thing, you know. Whereas the other two characters have a little bit more like menace to them. Yeah, what does does the Mandalorian? I'm just trying to think. Has he killed that many people in the show? Are Jawas people? No. Stormtroopers what? and other bounty hunters. Jawas are people. Jawas are people. The way it's played, it's not. It's it's like he's if you have, shooting if you have to If you have to negotiate with them to get your stuff back, they're people. Oh, if guess. you enjoy eggs that much, you're a person in my book. Oh, oh, so he knows their language. They're pe- if you can okay, all right. all right. All right, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> You can't you can't negotiate with a goldfish, <laughs> you know it's different. Yeah, I, I guess it's sort of that thing of they're, they're just they're, they're on the fence. You, you forget about them. I, I understand. I understand. Like the bar, right? In the in the first episode, in the bar scene, he's killing some of those dudes, right? Yeah, he cuts yeah. off uh, what's his name's head, and uh, well, I guess he doesn't have a name, but he's a squid head. Squid head. Mm-hmm. Cuts off a squid head's head and uh, kills that other dude. But those are people who are messing with him. Yeah, because so in film language that doesn't count, I guess. Yeah, because but the Jawas are just doing their Jawa thing. Yeah, I, even I, they don't seem to care too much that he does. It. Yeah, right. Like he's right in the front seat of their car, like two minutes later. The um, yeah, because it's quite um cartoony that. You know, he, he's not really killing – like, I thought, and I think everyone watching it thought that he was killing all these all, – all the the suicide squad. And then at the end, it's revealed that they're just in a cell, which is quite a – I don't know, like a – Yeah, if you killed the Jawas for stealing your stuff and you don't kill these people for trying to murder you, hmm. I, I don't – I feel like – I can I can buy it with her because they had this romantic fling or whatever, or at least have have, a, have this past. But I mean, he doesn't know Bill Burr. Does he know Clancy Brown? No, and they doesn't don't seem like it. No, because I wasn't. I couldn't remember whether they knew each other and didn't like each other or whether they were just meeting. But he doesn't know or particularly no, like it, these other guys. Because he was saying about taller, how yeah. yeah, he was tiny. That's right. That's right. Um, I mean, but he obviously, he, yeah, it's true. I mean, I don't think it's entirely clear whether he did have much of a relationship with Knife Lady. I think that, like, it's more like she knows that he's not going to say anything no matter what she says. And she just, like, makes the most of it because she likes being weird. And. <laughs> Like, you don't know. Like, it's meant to be open because there's like if they had a relationship, like what? Was he just like leave his helmet on or something like well, That's what it did, seems like. But a lady I, doesn't tell, apparently. Yeah. So it's like, you know, it's like how how much of a relationship could they have had? Um, I don't know. I'm just. What? What does everybody else think Mandalorians are? Because Bilber and I know the the maybe he's a Gungan under there is a joke, but 
but it's still what about like, his, what about Bill Burr's um, impersonation, like racist <laughs> jokes? It's great, but but it still implies that he's thinking of Mandalorians more as like a religion rather than a species or a nationality. Tom, uh, I mean, I think that's what the show thinks of them as. For sure. From watching Rebels and the Clone Wars, I am under the impression that they are a group of somewhat related humans or near humans that control a sector or a number of planets, and they in turn have colonized other planets, other systems. But they have like a tradition, so, right? Right. Like, so it's it's both a an ethnic and a cultural lineage, and they have adopted others into the fold, so to speak. So you could be a Gungan Mandalorian. Yeah. Well, I, that's what the the impression I'm getting from what they're talking about with the foundlings. Yeah, unless they're unless they're straight up racist. Yeah, because like, right. why would they be like humans only? No, but if, if they, they adopt people, if they like, live by the code. Matter? Now, these are different than the Mandalorians we've seen in in the Clone Wars and in Rebels. And I think we're all hoping that the show at some time explains that. I'm not. Um, so, like, <laughs> well, I yeah. like what if it's just like this? It's like if your head doesn't fit in the helmet, you can't be a Mando. <laughs> Like it. Look, we're not like we don't make the rules. Like we're just saying, like you've got to wear the helmet to be well, a man. They literally do make the rules. They're their rules. No, this is the way. That's the whole thing. Is like <laughs> I'm not taking responsibility for these rules. Like, <laughs> yeah, oh, but the armorer's helmet has horns. They can make different helmets. Yes, but the helmet is exactly like the circumference that it is. Like it's not like you see like longer helmets for like you know yak faces. They're all the same size. So you either fit in that or you don't. Like a Twi'lek cannot be a Mandalorian because they, unless you can, or you're allowed to cut holes in the helmet. Or like have like head tail socks that are attached to it. I don't know. Like what? I mean, that does actually sound pretty racist. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, you know, it's like, look, I like I, we don't exclude other people who aren't humans. But if you can't fit your head into the helmet, what are we going to do? Like it's the helmet's the helmet. I, I thought it was like, like being, like Jewish, like where you can convert, or or they, you have to like I want to be a Mandalorian rabbi, and they like deny you three times before they allow you to join. But there also is like the planet of Mandalore that has this long cultured history. I mean, I don't know rebels, but I do know that was some of the only stuff in Clone Wars that I liked, and that's yeah. where we get like Death Watch and stuff. Where it was, you have this this ancient tradition that the modern Mandalorians have gone away from. And again, they have the planet of Mandalore. And they take their helmets off all the time. Yeah. yeah. Just throwing this out there. What if the cartoons don't matter all that much? Hmm? Huh? But you can't, you can't say they're canon and then never do anything to reconcile that difference. Oh, I sure. You care. can like throw out like a comic book or something. It reconciles I don't care it. And, like how they do it. I don't even care if it's stupid. I just want some sort of acknowledgement that this is a very different thing than what we knew before. 
I think well, with with Dave and Favreau doing the Mandalorian, we will get that because there's no way those two are going to forget or ignore the cartoons. Yeah, they're, they're like time. They're, they're, they're like the two most obvious people that would explain that, being that you know they they make no effort in the show so far. I don't think it matters to even them anymore. Like the point is to make a cool show and have a cool thing, and the ideas in the cartoons about the Mandalorians are not really cool enough. They're, like they're just like another group of whoa, humans. whoa, 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 whoa! I'm not going to have you besmirch Death Watch like that. Death Watch. All right, I'm out. I, well, I don't know how Steel feels, but I'll assume I'm outnumbered. But <laughs> no, I just think there's no way that there's not going to be some reason, like. You think there's any way that the reason's not going to be terrible? Oh, because I don't. Hey, <laughs> if they do it great, you know, if they do a good job. Yeah, yeah they by do all it right. Means. Yeah, if they, they do, do it right. right. Yeah. Do it right. <laughs> I don't know. Um, so he ends up fake killing them all, and then he catches up with uh, what's that dude's name again? Quinn. Quinn. Quinn, Dr. Quinn, and then um, he, I, I, which I really liked, he said, well, isn't your code just to do your job? So take me in and sort of um, played on that, which I found uh, some good action. And uh, then they go back, he gets paid, somehow leaves the beacon or a beacon on Quinn and then the X-Wings and we'll talk about who was in the X-Wings in a second, but um, it was very exciting to see X-Wings, but the whole, it it did time out very well with that gunship coming up, but yeah, I just, I found the, like I was so excited to see X-Wings, but the scripting and I'm not sure if it was coupled with it was all the directors and I wouldn't have recognized the other two directors, but Dave Filoni just may as well have had his cowboy hat on over that, uh, that X-Wing. Did you, did you catch his character name, Steele? Uh, it, it's something about like the little wolves or what or something, surely, isn't it? No. no. Well, not exactly. No. What I is don't know that? what wolves are, but. Um, the wolves. Wolves. Okay, wolves. Okay, so yes, his uh, his uh, the character's name is Trapper Wolf. Ugh, <laughs> and he is about as good even, an actor even... as he is a director. The sad thing oh. is the take they used of there looks like they're launching a gunship. I think that must have been their best take <laughs> because th- it wasn't him directing it. So it's not like somebody you didn't know better put it in there. It's like it's like a good director is like. This is what we got to work with here. <laughs> this is it. Like, there's no amount of movie magic that can make that into a better line. Read. They should have had Deborah Chow read it because she only said one thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just okay, whatever. And I know people they're excited about it, which um, does have a tendency to make it sting even more. But. Um, yeah, I, I just thought it was just way too. It's just him sitting there. It was like my thing about the X-wing scene is that 
they used the same shot of the X-Wing pilots that they used in the original trilogy, a very front-on, in-cockpit shot, when in the prequel trilogy, in Starfighters, and in the sequel trilogy, we've gotten all these inventive side shots or through a window, and they didn't go with any of those. They just went with this very static, same shot for all three of them, and that that just felt weird to me. It's yeah, cheaper. Plus, and, like, if uh, uh, the director just like, I just want to do it like this because I don't feel like being more distracting than it already is. Like, yeah. How, how can you argue with that? Like, I I agree. Like, I get like, I like how, um, you know, they've they've kind of mixed that up lately because you don't have to just have them straight straight ahead in the cockpit. But if you want to, like, evoke the the feeling like you want the viewer to be like, oh. This is this is the rebellion and what they're up to now. They're not the rebels anymore, but they're still kind of the same people because it hasn't been that long. That's the shot you go with. And it's also has the benefit, I think, of being way cheaper than animating more shots of a of a ship flying by and a head moving inside of it. That's got to be tricky. Yeah. Um, and as far as timing and how they ended up there, I had the idea that what if before leaving the jail, the Mandalorian cut a deal with them and let them know, hey, this crew attacked. I will take you back to their home base if you let me go. And that's why he put the tracker on the one guy before giving him back to Duck Dynasty. Not, <laughs> not feeling it. Not feeling that at all. I feel like they just follow like they they got two signals. And so either they like the first team, there was like two teams and one team went to go. That's probably what would have happened realistically is like one team would have gone to investigate the original location of the tracker. And the other one is going, you know, out to, to, to see where it went. And you notice that the, the show doesn't say that they destroy the entire platform. They shoot parts of it and blow up the gunship. No, they, they, they go back for seconds. No, they're they're taking out the weapon systems. If you play the uh, X-wing computer games, you would know this. Oh, no, that's exactly how it works. It's like you're, but you you're, said you said it in. It was almost like you were parodying yourself. If you played the X-wing video games, you would know this. Like you you, you you've become a Simpsons character, oh, Robo. I'm well aware that the joke was on me there. I just I just wanted to say it because I thought it was funny. <laughs> okay, good, 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 good. Um. Yeah, I thought they were a little bit ruthless, but there's something I, again, if I, I, I wonder if I didn't recognize Dave Filoni, if I would have, it would have been so jolting, but it was delectable to have the, uh, the little surprise of the X-Wings and it was. Um, I would have liked it if, again, Robbo, they didn't mention time and he just had the the buzzer that Matt Lanter had the whole time and they've just followed him there. I, I, I'd find that a more plausible scenario. There's always a balancing act between what's plausible and what is more entertaining, what has a more visceral effect on the audience. And yeah, it's a tricky balance. I'll give you that, Steele. I don't think I'll my version that. would change any visceral reaction. I think it would. I think that if you don't know, because you, you have the whole situation with like, they'll be here in like 20 minutes and then they're like, we only need five, but then you know, it's going to take more than five because the bando has to escape and like track him down. It's like, how's it going to do it? And the whole time they're ratcheting up the tension, 
right? Because the viewer keeps that in the back of their mind. So you're, it's not like The Last Jedi where they just kind of tell you we've got this amount of fuel left and we can do this. And then somebody does something and you're like, well, how does that fit into it? I think that was a little bit more clumsy. I think in this show, it just established that, no, they like – Stuff has to happen really quickly, but that's what makes it interesting to watch is because everybody's going to be in a hurry. They're not just going to be sauntering back to their ship. Everybody's got to move quickly. When they get separated, they've got to decide, like, you know, that was kind of confusing. What were they like? Did they remember where they parked or, you know, that I couldn't quite tell. But um, the idea of like when you set up a, a ticking clock like that, which is something that Uncle George was quite fond of doing. In fact, we wouldn't have gotten a second Death Star if it were not for his fondness for that idea. It's documented historical fact, by the way. It's not a Roboism. That's that's reality. And um, the it's it's like it's the the benefit of it is that it keeps it it the audience I think really responds to it. I, I don't think it worked quite the same way in The Last Jedi, and that may have soured you on the idea. But in this show, I think it worked just fine because it they didn't do anything in particular that, you know, up until the point where he leaves the ship. All right, right, all right Robert, can, 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 could, we, could you give me an hour? No, no, that's not that's not. No, no, it's got to be because it's got to it's got to match up with how much time the audience feels like is left before the episode ends. And especially in a streaming show, they can see how much time is left if they really want to. So I I really even more so than a movie, because in a movie, you're going to be compressing a lot of time. But in a TV episode, you can't compress time the same way as easily. I'm just saying I think there's some there's some, you know, TV magic at work here and you got to respect it. All right. Can we talk about my favorite part of the episode? Zero is hunting baby Yoda. And and don't even I can see you I can see you almost saying it. Steel and don't. Say what? The Mando the Mandalorian shoots him from behind and baby Yoda just looks at his hand and the fact that they managed to give the puppet the expression of what did I just do is brilliant. That scene with uh, Baby Yoda, Yoju, if you will, was as a father, I, 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 it was exactly my life, except it was green with ears. Like when they do something or think they do something and they're like, oh, like that was, there, there's, there is a, um, that, that Yoju, he's a, uh, a great man. And another uh, trope of the show, the unexpected shoot in the back, which I, I, think, like I think this is number three so far. I think, I think I've got a better um, like drinking game type thing to watch out for here, Steel. Oh, no, 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 no. I, I wouldn't use that as a drinking game. I'm not having one drink every like two and a half episodes. That is... Well, you could, you could up the alcohol intake if no, you need to. No. Like It's all on a sliding scale. Okay, great. But I would say, like, the better one for just, like, take a shot when X happens, like, I would go, like, the Mando gets hit in the shoulder. <laughs> that happens at least twice per episode. Or when the Mandalorian is a terrible babysitter. Yeah, that's that's every episode for sure. It does take make you wonder how he got by before he got the, um, the new suit. <laughs> just Just getting pelted daily. In this episode, he manages to shoot himself in the shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
So I was talking to my friend this weekend, and he said when he watched the first episode and the Mandalorian is getting the bounty for Baby Yoda, he was, for whatever reason, Yoju. convinced that the bounty was going to be Wedge Antilles. Like, 100% sure. He, I, you know, he has no idea why he thought this. It just popped into his head. And so now, whenever there's a Baby Yoda scene, I just think of that same scene, but with Wedge Antilles. <laughs> and it's the most delightful way to watch the show. <laughs> just Wedge Antilles sipping his little bone broth. Is that, is... <laughs> all, all the kids seen Wedge Antilles sitting on a cart and crowding around him talking. Ah, and then we'd have kid bored by Wedge Antilles. That would be even more offensive. <laughs> Doing the jumpsuits. Bogus. Wow. I, I'd love Bill Burr looking at Wedge Antilles and going, is that a pet? <laughs> Did you two make this? Something like that. Well, it's... Uh, um, yeah, so uh, the uh, Mando takes the Razor Crest into hyperspace and uh, unscrews the little knob for uh, Yoju to uh, play with, which again is very true to my life. This, this, this show could not have come along at a more apt time in my entire history as a human. You're in the please refrain from tasting the knob stage of parenthood. Uh, yes. Oh, oh, yeah. I, to me, when I look at uh, Yoju handling that uh, knob, I'm thinking like that kid can swallow that knob. Like that is a stupid thing to give that kid. We can also swallow whole frogs. So it's probably not that big of a deal. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but frogs are squishy. The knob is, is uh, yeah, okay. That's true. Would Wedge and t- Tilly's choke on the knob? <laughs> I'm just picturing Wedge, like, playing, like, gleefully with, like, a little metal ball. And <laughs> Wedge and Tilly's with the half of a frog hanging out of his mouth? Would You know what? Also, speaking of Wedge, would Werner Herzog eat Wedge and Tilly's? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Probably. <laughs> probably. I mean... He'd make a whole documentary out of it, but once he got the funding, yeah. Um, uh, so uh, let's hit some uh, some scores and some final thoughts. Let's uh, go with you, King of All Toms. 9.25. Oof. What? What is the difference between a 9 and a 9.25, King Tom? I like the 9.25 a little bit better. Because I don't remember if I what I rated the the last one I was on if I rated it a nine or an eight and a half or an eight. So I just want to say this one is a little better than the last one that I was on. Okay, how, how does it rate in um, like what's your favorite episode thus far? Probably this one, either this one or the third episode or the fourth episode, the one with all the mandos coming in, or the one on the uh, where they made the shrimp beer. Thoughts on episode five, King Tom? Episode five was the Tatooine one. Yeah. Yes. I enjoyed the, t- the the first part of the Tatooine callbacks. I was in a very emotional place when I first saw it. So that part hit me probably more than it should have. The story wasn't that great, but I still liked it a lot. There were just some parts of the episode that felt weird. Hmm. I watched um, – I rewatched it last night while we were eating dinner to get ready for the next one. And I, I, I can't, what's that? I can't remember that character's name, but I love him. I, I, I adore him. I think he's great. 
RIP to um, the poor man's dash render. Love him. <laughs> Love him. All right. Can't well, be the poor man's dash render without shoulder pads. That's why he's poor. I want to know who Dash Rendar's Dash Rendar is. That's who I want to meet. That's Han Solo. Who, who, no, no, no. Because Dash Rendar is <laughs> no, is no, Han Solo's no. Dash Rendar. You're getting into like tautologies here. We're not talking about like who's the Billy Joel of rock and roll. You know what I mean? Like it's. I'm saying like it's it's uh like who is the the wannabe Dash Rendar? This dude. Yeah, that's this what I'm guy? saying. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. That's I guess I didn't want to meet him after all. Yeah, I I withdraw my comment. <laughs> okay, back in court. Emily, uh, a score and some uh, some final thoughts. Ten out of ten. Loved it. So much fun. Favorite episode so far. Not the best episode so far. Favorite episode so far. Clancy Brown, Mark Britton Jr., Richard Iowati, Bill Burr. Awesome. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, Robbo. So I didn't get to rank episode two, but I, w- I would put that one at a uh, nine. And so I would put this one because I don't like splitting up. I like whole numbers. So I put this one at an eight. Oof. Uh, so, so, so you're rounding down, I'm guessing. I mean, it's probably closer to nine than it is to eight. So if I, if I had to, I would say like, I just don't like an 8.75. Like perfect 10 to me is like star Wars, the motion picture. (laughs) (laughs) Is that, is that, that's very funny. Is that yours? What what do you mean? Did you coin that? No, I didn't. Uh, That's Pete, the retailer. You've, you've offended him twice now. I I don't know why. Like, look, if you're listening, Pete, the retailer, (gasps) I'm cheap. I work cheap. I don't. I don't command the big uh, the big appearance fees that that Hollywood Steel does, and I actually remember your jokes. Now I, I think that this one. The only thing that I didn't like about this one was was more like the the just the the tropiness of it was a little bit much. Like I I could have done without. Like my favorite character, I'll admit, was was the uh, Twi'lek knife lady. Really, and I. The favorite new character introduced, yes. I thought but you were going to hate t- her. I kind of, I, I, I would if the actress weren't so excellent at what she does. And she's, she was in Game of Thrones doing essentially the same character. Almost exactly, just slightly less evil, but basically the same kinds of, but her delivery of her, like, her line just made it so much better. But I also love uh, Bill Burr, like the way he like I love how he kind of hinted, like did a good job of tipping off that this guy isn't as badass and experienced as he pretends to be. Like when when the Mando says, like, nobody has to you're not you don't have to die here. Like he's like, what are you, what are you talking about? Of course he does. It's like <laughs> it's the last thing in the world he should say in that situation. But he says it. And I love that uh, he delivers it perfectly. But, yeah, I think Knife Lady is my favorite just because like Look, I love a good character actor part is, is great. And uh, and that, that's like she's so good at what she does. Like she is a pro. Um, but I also think like Bill Burr like has a future in this business. Uh, if he wants to do more shows like this, like he he's actually really good, like very convincing and threatening when he has to be. Mm, I, um, I, I thought his tone was just just perfect. I absolutely loved it. And I I. 
I'm very confident that he'll be in season two. So yeah, I think that's that's exactly why they survived. Is that as they were writing or filming the episode, perhaps even that late, somebody was like, you know what? We're doing a second season. Like, why don't why do we shouldn't kill all these characters? Like, they could come back. It would mean something. Uh, so that was good. Yeah, I just don't think they want him to be. You know, they can allude to his past, but I don't think they want him to be this like bloodthirsty. Like, I, I, I sort of think it's like a bit of grateful Disneyfication of it that uh, is not- the Mando or Bill Burr? No, the Mando. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think that's like you can't have him be a hero and have him like kill a guard on a ship in cold blood, right? That was the whole point. Like, mm. that's, you know. There was uh, the other thing I liked about this episode is uh, something not something you would understand, Steel, but oh. if, you, if you listen to Blue Harvest Adventures, <laughs> you would probably recognize some things that just happened to, to be almost exactly like one of the things that happened to the characters in that show in that game. So um, I can think of two actually, but uh, not like it was like it's just because there's only so many things you can do. Of course, that's the real reason for the coincidence. But I enjoy just the freakishness of those two things happening in the same episode. Um, mm, um, I I feel like this is my most surprising liked episode. Like it was something that I didn't really. I don't know. It was just I hadn't really imagined that we'd get like that sort of episode with that sort of comedy. So I'm, um, I think this is my, f- I don't know. I like the Tatooine episode still just for its a, a pure tribute, but this could be my, f- I, I feel like this is the best episode that is my favorite. And I would give it a 10 because I think it's a perfect, like third last episode, like in its place in the series, it's, um, it's really good. But the the X wing bit at the end was so weird that I'm I'm going for a nine point five. You guys, nine point five, hard but fair, hard but fair. Dave Filoni screwing things up again. I know, <laughs> I know. I those, didn't say it. The, the, I still resent him for those hella savers. So, and uh, you know, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? But um, like, where do you think the last two episodes are going to take us? We already know there's like a major character who hasn't showed up yet. And uh, it's looking ever more likely that Boba Fett is like a just a one off gag that's never going to come back in the show. So, oh, I don't know. I I reckon season two finale. It's a it's a Boba versus Mando face off. One reason I have a hard time answering that question of where is this going is. When when did they know they were getting a season two? And then, like we, we there's no like we know when it was officially announced, but when they knew, in terms mm. of how much things are going to get wrapped up in two episodes, I don't think we know. No. Yeah, no, no. That's what I'm. That's that's what I'm saying is we can't. There's no way of knowing that they haven't talked about that, and so. I don't know how much of an ending we're going to get. I I think that the last 
or one of the final minutes of the show of this season is going to be Yoju getting reunited with uh, older Yojus. They called him Yodas. Uh, no, they're Yoda species. Mm. I we don't know what they're called. And all I hope is that they have the restraint not to have them like talk in backwards English. Oh, please don't have him talk. Because how do you do that voice and have it? It, it should be like be ET getting reunited with the other ETs. That's what it should be like. It's like he finds them. But the, the reason, but I'm not sure it'll happen because there's nothing that's been building to that. There's no like hint that I'm trying to get to such and such a place because something, or even I'm trying to get to such and such a place. Like, or even a remote, hey, maybe my goal should be to find his people. Nothing, right? Like, if if that's if that's intentional, and not just a horrible, horrible mistake, then that must mean that Yoji is going to be with them until season two. In I which just, case, they must have known it from the beginning. Well, I, I just can't imagine. Oh, sorry, go Tom. I was just going to say, I just can't imagine they would leave that completely open for season two. I I kind of think it's the. Like it's the opening lead new series for Disney Plus, and they would have been pretty confident, like just out of stubbornness of we're going to do another season of this. Like I, I, I feel like it's it'd be a thing to like to make sure the first one continues regardless. Because how are you going to judge, like, True. like midway, like what it, like. Like ratings, or like it's not. I, I feel like yeah. it's they've they've just said like it's very likely we get another one, and then or, or almost guaranteed. I, I feel like it would be written to be set up for another one because that's what they wanted. Bobby, or it I, could have been written as like a twelve episodes season, and they're like, well, let's split it up and see what happens, hmm. and we'll throw Felonia a bone, bone and Felonia. Um, all right. Well, no, I guess um, we've got. Well, what's the character's name that we're yet to see? Moff Gideon. Moff Gideon. Um, do you think that? Uh, do you think Moff Gideon is going to be a two-episode deal? Because I know, I know it's like it's sort of rad that they've these characters have been in and out so quick because we get more rad characters but I just I, I sort of thought he'd be a character that went all the way through it I I hope he's somebody who we will have continuing on into season two and I'd like to see Herzog again I mean frankly at this point I want to see another character again just because I want to have I want to know somebody more than just the Mandalorian mm. I want other characters that when I see them I go oh I know this person and then I can get to know and like that character over time. I mean, that's one of the things you can do with a TV show is develop like a long backstory and, and have lots of interconnected relationships that span multiple episodes. That's, I mean, that's kind of the point of long storm of long form storytelling. And as much as I've liked most of the Mandalorian, man, I wish they were doing more of that. Mm. In space, Carl Weathers, his, his, Return was foretold, but we haven't seen it. Mm-hmm. Oh, is it? Yeah, I mean, he survives. Like, if they were just going to get rid of him, he would have died. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, 
out of, out of all the characters, which one would you like to come back in uh, episode eight, the the final, the the finale, King Tom, Cara Dune, Emily. You have to bring Herzog back as the guy who set up the whole thing. Robbo. Agnolti. Ooh. I'm Cara Dune as well. So we win. I feel like I feel like Agnolti should just be he sh- he should just be in the show all the time. I, lo- I, I love Agnolti, by the way. I support you on this. I didn't come up with it. I wish I did. Oh, okay. Emily, where do you stand? Better than Yoju. Thank you. Got it. <laughs> Got it out of her. Is it counts even if I'm disparaging it? Well, there's no other way that you're going to say it. So, what, I mean, what do you, you get to call him by his character's name, or you can call him by Nolte, or you can call him Ugnolte? I don't think you have too many options here. I mean, I still don't know how to pronounce his character's name. So, exactly. Oh, worst. Where I know how to pronounce Baby Yoda's character name. It is Baby Yoda. Yoju. Um, I'm going to edit it now. Now that I've got the sound bite, I'm going to go through, and every time you reference him. <laughs> <laughs> she said it. <laughs> you have you have so much time on your hands as a father that no. that's what you're going to do. Steele, just because she said that, what you need to do is record yourself saying, Yoju, like, you know, Mr. Black. And just have that go in every time she says. <laughs> it's going to be the best. Um, King Tom, where can the good people of the internet track down your lording? Your your uh, royal I'm, internet presence. I'm Tom Chansky on Twitter, although that is locked down until sometime Thursday evening, uh, just for my own sanity's sake. But also, uh, uh, you can hear me on the Sith list. I believe uh, I, there's a Blue Harvest Patreon episode coming out this week, the Bad Motivators Patreon, and uh, Sorted Steel War shows. Excellent. I um I had this idea for Page Wars for people that don't know Tom explains to me books and comics that I haven't read so I can keep up on canon. I feel like you should explain to me the rise of Skywalker. <laughs> Tell me the is plot. That, is that how you want to experience it for the first time? I am going to see it um, before that. So but oh, okay. I, I figured you could just tell me the plot and I could see if I could uh, work it out. I, I've got this childhood memory of seeing Return of the Jedi and then driving to pick up my dad for like an hour drive and just telling my brother everything that happened in the movie. He was just like, yeah, just tell me it all. So that's, uh, that's how he experienced Return of the Jedi. Emily Lind, you have a fantastic podcast called mm-hmm. The Canto Bite Dispatch. I listen to it every week. Sometimes I feel bad about myself by the end. <laughs> but um, this week I, uh, I did pretty well with my uh, FMK, I thought. So um, let the good people know. Yeah, uh, Cantabite Dispatch, you know, it's on SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts and, you know, everywhere like podcasts are. Uh, you can find it on Twitter, Cantobite Pod, and I am on Twitter at EF Lind. Excellent. Robbo. Yeah, what's up? Uh, I, you might know me from uh, the Canto by Dispatch theme song. And uh, I guess I now have to put in Bill Burr saying, it looks like a Canto Bite slot machine. 
Yes. Now needs to be added in there for some, somehow. Um, I also have a uh, podcast called Hardcore Gaming 101. It's a video game podcast. Not a lot of Star Wars going on there, but uh, it's still pretty good. And, yeah, I'm on Twitter at GCINX, although, like King Tom, I won't be there very much until I see the movie. Yeah, I um, I had to run off today. I got the text that uh, something bad was going around. So, And then, within the next five minutes, I opened up Twitter and went, ah! Like, you know, you sort of just do it when you've got... That's it. <laughs> you realize you have no control over your own brain. Yes, that is it. That is it. <laughs> it's a horrifying thought. It's um, yeah, but true to life. Um, you can follow me at Steel Wars, and uh, if you want to support the podcast, you can join on Patreon for three dollars. You get all the bonus episodes, and tonight there's a new episode of The Jukland Strikes Back with um, Jackie being delighted to see my wife, Jackie, to see um. Bill Burr and the Mandalorian, and she tells a very funny story about a prank that Bill Burr played on her in Sydney. So um, that's some some red hot sizzle there. So uh, check that out. And um, for people wanting the Rise of Skywalker-type podcasts, I think if I'm allowed, the first one will be up Tuesday night. So um, here we go. I too am on lockdown. So don't at me until tomorrow. I'm very excited. I feel like I haven't been there excited. And now I'm like, I feel like two hours before I'm just going to explode. But how, how are you guys faring? Nobody wants to go first. <laughs> I was going to let someone else go first. Go, Robo. King, I think King Tom's just figuring out, like, how do I inject this movie directly into my veins for maximum, like, fast track appreciation? Pretty much, yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And, uh, yeah, big fan of that Star Wars thing. So. Okay. How are you feeling, Emily? Eh, I'm seeing it. We'll, we'll see what happens. Oh. I'm also seeing Cats the next day, which I c- kind of think I might enjoy more. Oh, uh, This episode of The Mandalorian was good, though. Um, oh, so good. Excellent. And, uh, and Tom just wants to inject it. You're going in like um, Clockwork Orange. Yeah. Pretty much, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have a plan for the day including how much i'm going to drink and when <laughs> excellent oh, so for me i love that i have to, i always have to take a break like halfway through the movie and that's like when i go see it my second time it's like i get a little taste like something new <laughs> oh no there's no leaving that's crazy talk you leave during the first time you see a star wars movie yeah like i and nature calls you know like it's always at night and that's just you know I'm guaranteed to miss like about like three minutes. Wow. All right. All right, you guys. Well, uh, thanks so much for joining us. And may that force be with you. (laughs) Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. 
Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.